If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers, and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Today on Horse Chats, we've got a regular guest again. Lucky to have him here. Before I tell you about him, I'd like to tell you about Sophie Barrington or remind you, Sophie Barrington, Archer Creative. If you're frustrated by a low return on investment from your marketing efforts, you really need to talk to Sophie from Archer Creative. They're the experts in equine business marketing. They do everything from copywriting, public relations, social media, email marketing, graphic design, website design, and really a lot, lot more. So if you've got any questions at all, you can call Sophie. You can get her details from horsechats.com. Search for Sophie, search for Barrington or search for Archer Creative. You'll find her contact details and you'll be able to listen to a couple of podcasts that she's done as well. We'll get back to our guest now, Peter, Peter Huntington, who's a regular guest on Horse Chats. If you go to Horse Chats, if you don't know Peter, just to find out a little bit more about him, he's talking to us on behalf of Kentucky Equine Research. Um, feeding specialist, horse feeding specialist. And today we're going to talk about 10 tips on feeding the laminitis prone horse or pony. How are you today, Peter? Hey, great. Thanks, Bonus. I'm really just happy to talk, happy to talk with you Good again. to talk to you too. Now, we're going to be talking about the 10 tips on feeding the laminitis prone horse or pony. You must come across this a bit. Would you like to talk about why you've chosen this subject? I think laminitis is um, it's a perplexing uh, disorder for, uh, and it's a very painful disorder of horses and seemingly occurring um, to a greater extent. And in part, that's because horses are living longer and disorders that they get when they're, when they're older, um, predisposed to laminitis, and also partly because they're increasing obesity rate in, in the population. And, and that's one of the predispositions to laminitis. So it's uh, painful, it's very distressing for. Uh, the horse and the owner, and uh, there's still lots of horses that um, you know get laminitis. Uh, there's some who can be managed and return to previous performance. There are some who are you know permanently crippled, and there are some who die um, or, or, or need to be uh, need to be euthanized uh, because of intractable laminitis. So uh, it's a yeah, it's a it's a big problem still. All right. Now, you've talked about it. What about the causes? This is number one, is the causes of laminitis. And the other thing is, too, that I know that we've moved on a lot. I remember when I was in pony club and I think I was going to do my B certificate and we had to find out causes, symptoms, treatment of a few different horse problems and one of them was founder. Now, in those days, there was no internet. I mean, I don't even know if we had colour TV, but 
to have a founded horse, I didn't know what the word founder was and I went to the library and I researched and had a look and talked to the librarian and went to another library and researched and found some more information but nothing at all about founder and it wasn't until I talked to um, one of the, the, I think it might have been one of the instructors at Pony Club or an old bushy friend that we had and they said, oh, founder, that's laminitis. So, you know, it's a very Australian term to call a laminitic horse a founded horse. Yes, it is, and I guess founder is the um, is the term that people have used globally, uh, and then laminitis because it refers to disturbances in the um, in the bond between the sensitive or the sensitive insensitive laminate in, in the hoof, and you know that's where um, yep. laminitis laminitis uh, usually means inflammation, and it's, it's not necessarily uh, inflammation all the time, but it's a disturbance in the in the bond and and uh, so we have a situation where um, this, this bond in the hoof uh, holds the hoof wall uh, and the pedal bone together, yep. and then uh, you get certain demands, and then you've got uh, either the um, the pedal bone uh, is at risk of sinking the hoof, or you get rotation because the pull of the the um, the deep tendons pulling on the back of the pedal bone, so you get sort of rotation where the tip of the pedal bone hits towards the sole, and in some cases it can go through the sole. It's, uh, it's a severe uh, situation in others. It um, can uh, you know, get quite close to the sole and be more prone to, to damage. So uh, you've got a, you've got um, yeah. It's, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit of an emergency. People need to take uh, it very seriously if they think their horse is at risk of laminitis or is um, actually uh, shows signs. Now, what are they going to see in the horse? It might be um, uh, stiffness. Uh, usually, it's more common in front limbs than, than in hind limbs, uh, but it can affect all four feet. Of course, it's uh, stiff or to move, um, you can sometimes feel more heat around the coronary band. Head on here, feel more heat, and there's sort of bounding digital. So if you're feeling the uh, feeling the uh, the digital artery uh, around rather sort of sesamoids mm-hmm. or around further down. So you've got these sort of considerations. But you know, if the horse is being reluctant to move or uh, or you know, simply unwilling to move and unwilling to pick one front foot up um, is uh, is when you get worried. And I think uh, it's a, it's definitely something that uh, this is not something you must uh, wait and watch. It's uh, cool a bit uh, yep. because the sooner you can start treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the better the outcome will be. Okay, so we've sort of talked about the symptoms there and this is really the management now we're getting on to. Is that right? So we've had the point number one is the causes and the number two is the symptoms. Well, I mentioned more so, you know, some of the range of causes. Yeah. I think the most, um, uh, it's probably what we would describe as uh, the causes such as Concussions, you can get road laminitis, which relates to concussion. You can have supporting limb laminitis, where you've got a horse with a fracture in one leg and it's taking all the weight on the other leg. Mm-hmm. And uh, that then is that's, uh, often some of the highest profile of laminitis cases in racehorses have been in that situation, where they get laminitis in a good leg. Uh, 
doesn't all be all the weight is going through that. Um, it can happen after folding in meds if we're taking fetal membranes, so it's a toxic laminitis. Uh, you can have toxic stuff related to gaps, to paralysis, yep. and um, to, to the uh, um, high blood acidosis. And you've also got you've got the sort of hormone or the metabolic uh, cases. Is really all about this metabolic syndrome. Uh, it's called now, and uh, what some people call pushing disease, but it's, it's PPID. So it's the pituitary disturbance that you see in older horses. So uh, pituitary dysfunction, pituitary gland dysfunction, to the back of the brain, and one of the symptoms of that. The older horses, the shaggy coat, where where they had an increased risk of lumbar. So. The real, I guess, I've knowledge in recent years around trying to understand the metabolic cases uh, where uh, you see high metabolic syndrome, where you've got this combination of obesity, uh, disturbances, obesity, mostly obesity, they're not all obese. You've got disturbances in insulin uh, levels, insulin hormone. Um, that's got a number of important functions in that world in, in, high, uh, in, in very high insulin levels or services in insulin regulation and induced Um And uh, you've got that in the predisposition to laminitis. So that's the sort of, you know, the fat pony was, uh, syndrome is, is really quite a metabolic syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, although in some horses it's the PPID or as Cushing's. Yes, yeah. All right. So, so the uh, symptoms of laminitis. As a horse owner, how do we know that our horse, like all of this stuff that that um, is going on inside the hoof, but as a horse owner, how do we know that the horse has got laminitis? Well, it's probably the horse that's reluctant to move, mm-hmm. yep. and, and that feels like you've got a feeding feed into the ground. They want to move. Um, they don't drag up. Let's say hot feet. Uh, banding little pulse there, the sort of, you know, they're the things that, uh, that don't be the giveaways there. And then uh, with veterinary examination, they might be uh, detecting a pain in the sole, um, and uh, particularly, yeah, pain in the sole, pain around the toe, and uh, pains, you know, you can get pain with palpation of the coronary band. Um, so um, pain there. And uh, so they're the sort of, the uh, vet might see, and then that leads into management during the acute stages, and uh, I guess that reduction. Okay, which is point num- tip number three. Yep. Three, yep, yep. tip number three, but yep. it's get your vet involved. Yes. Get your vet involved, um, get your vet involved early. Uh, one of the things that um, recent research has identified is that icing, giving the horse, putting the horse's feet in ice water uh, will. Uh, slow down the uh, the damage uh, that's happening in, in the hoof and improve the recovery. So uh, people have talked about identifying the horse and laminitis. The horse will stand in the dam or stand in the puddle. Well, that's sort of doing it themselves. But yeah, ice water if you're in any doubt, then then um, yeah, bucket uh, with some ice water. Uh, or there are some boots that people that you can get commercially that. Nice water. So that's, that's first aid uh, prevention. That's number one. And, and not asking the horse to move too much would be the other thing. Um, if you don't have the ice water option, 
uh, putting them in a uh, sand yard is probably the best option. And uh, if you think it's related to feed, then obviously, you know, getting them off the, the, uh, the pasture, if it's lush pasture or if it's growing overload or if it's well, taking the grain out of their diet, you know, you get all the from the horse that's broken into the, into the, uh, the feed shed and engorged itself. Can happen with the pony that's a bit deprived, or uh, you get it from horses that you know, get into a bag of wheat or something like that. Then uh, looking at uh, managing those sort of considerations to to remove that dietary risk factor. And sometimes the vet will, if it's diet related, diet overload related, sometimes you know giving them oil and things like that will hasten the pass the passing of that through the uh, digestive tract. But there are um, you know, veterinary, and it's a very painful consideration, so a very painful disorder for us, as, as you can see, so uh, appropriate pain relief and, and uh, anti-inflammatory therapies are pretty important in the, in the, the management of the, of the disorder. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. So the long-term nutritional management, you know, we've talked about the acute stages, but this is number four, the long-term nutritional management for horses with chronic laminitis. Thing about the acute stage, and that's that this is not the time you get the horse with. Part of the longer management might be uh, taking the weight off the horse, yep. and by doing that, by putting them in a negative energy balance, um, by restricting their diet, particularly their energy take. But you, you don't need to be doing that right at the start because the horse is in pain, um, they've got an increased metabolic rate, and metabolic need. So I don't think, even though you uh, you need to have them in a negative issue balance um, in, in the subacute stage, you certainly don't in the acute stages. And so, for example, you may not see the horse loose and hay in the longer term because that's contributing to this body condition, but in terms of the short term, I don't mind a horse being fed loose and hay loose and calf because they actually need some protein and amino acids to sort of help rebuild and repair the horse. And so in the early stages, spines are feed, whereas you may not do it in the long in the longer term when you've identified that you've got um, an insulin uh, dysregulation problem relating to metabolic syndrome and you need to get the weight off the horse. So the longer term depends very much on what the cause is. If it's metabolic syndrome um, and you've identified uh, insulin dysregulation, then you need to have some steps to get weight off the horse. Um, and so it's you know, feeding out, and I'll touch on that with feeding out of the weight a horse. If it's uh, something like um, the PPID is the, 
the pituitary disturbances is the cause. Then looking at uh, you know does the horse go on curbline treatment, which uh, will certainly improve the um, improve the aspect of that horse recovering from the laminitis and, and not having recurrences related to it. So it's very much dependent upon circumstances. If it's pasture-related um, and uh, high-quality pasture, spring and autumn, these horses risk then really good class pasture uh, by either um, in, a, um, in a dark or stable or, or in poorer-quality paddock or using such, you know, using grazing muscle. Grazing muscle is one of the best problems that the feminine horse can have because they can be out getting exercise, but they're not they're not getting the same sort of pasture intake that is tipping them over the edge and uh, getting them getting them fat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about the grazing muzzles and the lower quality pastures. That would be part of the preventing laminitis in the future as well, wouldn't it? Oh, very much. So, you know, prevention of laminitis in, in these sort of metabolic, um, in the in the PPRD case, it's uh, perhaps putting them on um, putting them on uh, pergolide and modifying the diet, okay. and, and the modifications there are depending on depending on um, whether the horse is in good condition or not in good condition, as the case may be with some of the old horses. So you can feed them different according to the circumstances. But with the, the sort of metabolic syndrome, usually those horses are pretty heavy, not always. And so the first step you've got to do is get some weight off the horse. And so that's gives calories in and increased calories out. And you want to insulin regulation. So you make sure that the calories they're getting are coming from fiber-based and certainly uh, not, uh, you're not putting them uh, much in the way of carbohydrates, and very often these horses, until their insulin levels are normal, they can take them off pasture. So you've got to take them off pasture. Feed them a measured amount of hay. You want lower quality hay because that's going to be lower energy and lower sugar. And sometimes you are using soaking to reduce the sugar content of hay. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at things like, um, so you're doing that. To, to make their insulin levels, um, bring their insulin levels back to normal, reduce this insulin dysregulation. Okay. Uh, you're looking at things, things like, okay, if their hoof is uh, down, particularly if you have some rotation, you need to get some barrier-free work. Uh, in these cases, it's really important. So get them shod so that they're comfortable and also getting some good hook right there so that they can be trimmed and restored to a normal shape. And that's where a sort of in the farm and supplement like, say, Biogreen, our product, is appropriate to feed these horses um, so, uh, as, a, as a supplement. Okay. To improve okay. Growth. Yep, yep, yep. So pasture itself, we've got number six is the role of pasture. In laminitis? Yeah, and pasture is a pretty Some horses um, will, will have laminitis related to ground load and other disturbances I talked about earlier, but very often it's pasture. And I think one of the things that happens is that um, these days pastures have been developed and, and uh, made more potent. You know, the higher energy uh, pastures than they were years ago, improved pastures have been done for the rumors. And it's great, but it carries this risk, and often it's really quality for horses. So they put weight on, 
they put weight on and their frog tan levels, their, their full sugar levels are quite high. Uh, and particularly there's a relationship between frog tan levels and the time of the year and the time of the day, so that they rise, these levels rise on sunny days. You know, they rise during the day and they rise on sunny days and they drop down overnight. So horses can have uh, some exposure to pasture at night and but have to be in during the day and they're not let out to leave. Other times you just need to reduce the amount of pasture that they have. Um, and as I said, horses with metabolic syndrome with insulin dysregulation uh, probably should be taken off pasture until the insulin uh, responses are more normal. So uh, you look at um, what, quality, what quality pasture they're in and what quantity they get to it. And uh, that's where I think the grazing muscle is really uh, is a really useful aid. And uh, a lot of horses just need that to, uh, so that they can have some, they can be out, they can have some access to pasture, but they're not going to eat so much. But, you know, many of these horses can eat actually much. And people have done research on ponies, and they can eat to, you know, about more than 50% of their daily sort of pasture requirements in about two or three hours. They put their head down and can really get stuck into the okay. yeah. So you might say, when you put them out for a few hours, but they can yes. still eat a lot. Yes. Yep. All right. Now number seven is feeding the overweight horse with laminitis. So, so overweight horse, we're going to get the weight off. And I mentioned, you know, it's all about calorie balance. So mm-hmm. less calories in and more calories out. Exercise them. Um, often you can't because the... Um, uh, you know that it's all feet, and and you shouldn't be exercising, forcing a laminated horse to exercise. Sometimes they, if they could be exercising sand, where they're a bit more hoof support, or they've got um, it can be appropriately shod, so they're not as painful. Then you can exercise. One of the other things is swimming. It's been shown to be useful. So if, in terms of reducing insulin, um, improving insulin responsiveness, so. A swimming horse, a form of exercise that isn't going to put any stress on the feet, uh, is something that if you've, uh, if you've got a place to do it, you can, you can do. Otherwise, we're looking at restricting the forage intake. We're not, if we're going to take weight off, we're not going to be feeding any concentrate at all, apart from a low intake balance pellet that will and some of the mineral uh, environment needs the horses have and possibly some quality protein. The old approach used to be you get one quality pain just from that, but that will lead to some deficiencies of uh, nutrients that are actually involved in repair of the horse, uh, such as zinc or uh, amino acids. And so we want to be feeding them balanced diet. So a, um, a supplement by, say, gold pellet, which is a you know, low-intake supplement, will supply some mineral and vitamin that they have, supply some amino acids that are required for good hoof, uh, hoof repair and hoof function and function of, and, and normal health, but not over the calories. And it comes down to measuring the high intake. So very often you need to get down to about, say, 1.5% of horse's body weight uh, in hay. And this is, you know, with ponies, this is not hay. So very easy to overfeed hay. They, they need to be giving the horse the hay in a way that they don't need all in the first two hours. Mm-hmm. So that often involves, you know, small whole hay nets or other things. It's as a poorly grazer, which is a feeding tub with a lid on it, and can uh, use to spread out hay intake, and it's the right quality hay, so that the lower energy hay you have, the quicker they'll lose weight. There are some other things you can 
can give that are helpful sort of prevention and uh, area and um, getting the weight off them and normalising their insulin responses. And that may be things like fish oil, which is uh, given in small doses, normalised glucose and insulin responses. Um, we have EO3 as a supplement that we have. Uh, psyllium actually has been shown to have a role here. There are some sort of veterinary treatments like metformin that might be useful. There's a lot of things used in this area, uh, people who are on magnesium, or of magnesium, well, um, because people, someone who's in a quarantine to do it, there's actually no data support the value of magnesium or cinnamon or a number of uh, sort of supplements that are given, that um, may be given to people with metabolic syndrome. Uh, there's no data support the use in horses. Okay. Okay. What about horses who need to gain the weight? We, we want them to gain the weight, but we don't want oh. to give them... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, is, this is usually the horse with the other horse with PTID that's got some muscle wastage, uh, has lost weight. So this is the um, you know the, the pony with long shaggy coat, um, and often they've got um, teeth troubles as well. So you've got to sort of be be uh, conscious that they can't eat highs effectively. So they need a, a diet that's got increased energy and and. And uh, there's a lot of glycemic diet. And here we're looking at uh, things that obviously things that they can chew. Um, so it might be a chaff or, or hayley, uh, but they can't chew hay. Um, you do need to be careful about high-quality pasture because they might give a high glycemic response. And it's feeds that are, are, are lower glycemic feeds, so low to moderate carbohydrate levels, but with energy coming from fat and fibre. Um, so things like sort of, you know, Baris.com, former or KRLG, Cuba examples of those foods. Um, it was a good supplement and uh, as a um, as a high-fat, uh, high-energy supplement, but low-fat and the Lord Sunflower seeds are also useful additives for those sort of horses. So you've got to just be careful about what you feed and be careful about the sizes in these sort of horses. Okay, okay. Now, and I know before you said about exercising on sand or swimming, but if you've got a performance horse and maybe they recover, but they're prone to laminitis, this is tip number nine, was for managing performance horses prone to laminitis. Yeah, it's challenging, and, and one of the challenges is we've got an older horse, and this happens with older dressage horses, you can compete quite successfully, but um, they've got PID, they can't, and Pegolite helps um, reduce um, normalised hormone levels and reduce the risk of, of, of laminitis, but you're not allowed to actually compete on Pegolite. That's it. That is a challenge, and I'm not sure why the FBI has ruled that that's the case, but can't. So that's sort of difficult, but it's, it's probably all about um, doing some specialised training and setting a diet up which is, uh, addresses some of the risk factors. So, uh, so low glycemic, ranging from fat and fibre, perhaps using some of the supplements I've mentioned that can normalise uh, glucose and insulin response, and you know doing things like you know keeping the horse throwing. Um, uh, good quality care. So you've got, you know, those sort of considerations that you need to take into account. You can't just sort of say, oh, it's just one thing. So you've got to look at the holistic approach to the horse. Yep, yep. yep. Okay. This is point number 10, managing hindgut health to aid the avoidance of laminitis. You talked another time about the hindgut health, but this is specifically to avoid laminitis. Well, what we wanted to do here is, is um, hindgut 
acidosis from happening uh, because it's a high blood acidosis in certain cases, such as an case or, or super-common pasture, is one of the triggers for laminitis. So there we're looking at um, things like uh, you know, processed grains, uh, small meals, um, and maybe reducing the intake of um, reducing the intake of high quality pasture if the high quality pasture is the trigger, or feeding a high gap buffer such as Equishaw, which will prevent these starches or sugars um, leading to uh, leading to uh, acidosis and therefore a laminitis trigger attack has been released on laminitis. So uh, high gut health is not necessarily the um, you know, number one thing in all laminitis cases, but in some laminitis cases it is, it is a number one, it, it is a very important consideration. So you've got to, it depends on the, on the cause yep. and um, what the, the risk factors are as to how that is to manage. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Good. Good. All right. Well, if you've got a laminitic or a laminitis prone horse or pony, we've got some tips there. We're going to summarise those tips on horsechats.com. So it'll be horsechats.com slash Peter Huntington, I think about six. But I'm sure if you go to horsechats.com and search for Peter or search for Huntington or even search for laminitis, you'll probably find it. Peter, again, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for all the research that you do. It's not just doing the research for us for horse chats, but just in general for the horse industry. You do a lot of research there and the horse industry and the horses particularly are, um, have got to be thankful for well, that. So thank right. you. Yeah, we think research is very important. Uh, some of the stuff that we're also doing and bringing them to the attention you know, making horse owners aware of them. And I think one of the faults of a lot of research is that it's academic reasons and academic advancement, and it doesn't then get out to the horse owner very much conscious of that. And that's why we've got things like our Equinews website that takes new research and, and tries to interpret that in language that the horse owner can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's why we do, you know, continue research uh, sometimes to develop products such as Equishore and help uh, reduce risks of laminitis. And, and, you know, at other times it's to, um, to look at, uh, um, you know, other circumstances and other disorders that are big issues for horse owners. But yeah. uh, yeah, research is very important. We never, you never stop learning with horses and we need to know more. And uh, the research that, uh, you know, various groups have done on laminitis, with the Chris Collins and uh, at University of Queensland, Australian Definitely. Now, Peter, if people would like to find out more about Equinews and about contacting you, how can they do that? I should say first that that information will be on horsechats.com slash Peter Huntington or any of those. I'll find out about the Equinews and how to contact Peter. But would you like to just mention again, Peter, how people can contact you? 
Okay, so to get in contact with us, uh, then there's a 1800 number, 1800 772 198, or advice at kr.com. If you want to look at, uh, we've got hundreds of articles on the on causes, on prevention, on management, and by going to equipuse.com, you can sign up for uh, fortnightly electronic newsletters and search related to keywords. And uh, if they do that, um, yeah, they'll get a lot more information than we can fit into a uh, into a, a sort of thirty minute uh, thirty minute podcast. But um, hopefully, we've uh, sort of set the scene and uh, discussed uh, some of the, the picture issues, and then uh, people can get more detail from that resource. Exactly, good idea. All right, Peter, thanks again for coming, and we're looking forward to catching up with you again soon. We'll do it. That's great, Manus. Thank you. Bye. Now, if you're still there, you probably know that I'm absolutely passionate about education within the horse industry. That's why I host this podcast. My other venture is Online Horse College. Have a look now at onlinehorsecollege.com and I'll see you over there. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 